Hi, everybody. Welcome to Inside My Wallet. This is episode two. I'm Amanda from Tidy My Money, and this is Andrea Kennedy from Wiser Wealth. And today we're going to talk about money narratives. So even if you understand all the financial aspects of your money, and, and a lot of people don't, and we're going to get to that in later podcasts, what you really first have to understand is what is going on in your head with money and why you do what you do, because your thoughts lead to behaviors, which lead to outcomes with money. And if there's something that's in the way or blocking you, or you're not able to advance the way that you want to with money, investments, your kind of entitlement, your conversations around money, there's something going on with your money narrative. So what we're gonna do today is first talk about um, my money narrative at growing up so that you have an idea. And these are essentially stories that you hear over time from your family, from society, from all the kind of inputs that you hear growing up and you develop this idea of what money is, what it can do for you, what it can't do for you. And these are either very productive and helpful or they're not particularly productive and helpful. So I'm gonna tell you my money narrative so you understand what one is. And then I'd like you as part of the homework to this that you kind of go and, under, and explore your own. And we all have different money narratives because we've all grown up in different circumstances with different parents and different countries. So it's gonna be different for everyone. So that is the first thing to understand. So I, I, I'm an American, I grew up in the, in the US and my father lived through the depression and his story is very common. Many people have one parent who lived through something like the depression. It could be a pro prolonged job loss, but that makes people feel very anxious. It makes people, all they think about is needing to work and needing to save and they become very risk averse. So in many families, there will be somebody who's, who one parent is going to probably feel this way, yeah? Um, separate from that is my mother. My, my, my mother wasn't that much younger than my father. She was just born a few years later. So we're not talking about a big generational difference, but it was a bit of timing. The US was coming out of World War II. Um, you know, we'd gone through the, the depression. And so she grew up in a, in a kind of a time and a mindset that was much more you know, kind of risk taking. And so she really was the one that ended up being the investor in the family. And this is unusual, actually, <laughs> if you think about it, right? Um, so in a way I benefited um, both from kind of the money narrative of it's, you've got to work and you've got to save money. And then my mother's money narrative, which is somewhat separate in a way, which was, you know, you have to invest money. That's how you keep up with inflation. This is how you build long-term you know, wealth and security. So I kind of got that. Having said that, not everything about what I learned, even though it was a pretty good foundation, was useful or even good, I would say. You know, my parents grew up with this idea, you go to college and everything will be fine, right? I don't know, Amanda, if you got some kind of input like that, whereas just go to college, like just do this. Sometimes it's just get married, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is the risk, you know, 50% of marriages fail. I think that's one of the riskiest things that we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's riskier than the stock market. Um, so, so we do grow up with these ideas. And, and my mom, even though she was an investor, you know, if something that she invested in didn't work out well for her, there was something wrong with that investment. It was not something wrong with her way of analyzing that investment or her timing with that investment. So she also had very fixed ideas that there were things that were good and bad. And this is another thing that we hear a lot with money narratives oh, your crazy uncle went and started a business and it all blew up and no one should start a business or he went and bought five investment properties and it all failed. And it, you know, we get these ideas and these narratives, things that we don't experience, but that someone else did in our lives growing up. And then we think, oh, that that's a bad thing. 
as opposed to maybe that person didn't get it right, or maybe there's something to learn from this. And so this is how these kind of hardened narratives form in our head. And a lot of them are things we haven't even sometimes experienced ourselves. You know, my thinking really only evolved when I started to travel and this is all pre-internet. Now you don't have to leave your home and you can get input from other places. <laughs> but my thinking really only evolved as I started to travel and I saw, oh, this is how this country functions and how people pay tax and how people invest. So I wasn't seeing it through this one lens. I started to see money through many different lenses, right? And it's, it's very interesting actually. And I, I enjoy my work because I get to do that now professionally. Um, so, so understanding this narrative will really play into what you do with money. And a lot of women get their cues and I, I don't really wanna to speak to women from their mothers. A lot of mothers um, do sometimes look after the cash flow or the budgeting, which is something Amanda does professionally and helps people do uh, through her, her work with Tidy My Money. It's a very important part of it, but then sometimes that's where it ends with women. And part of this is that a lot of women, and this is where the negative narratives come in, you know, we sometimes treat this as if it's a gender thing, like men coming out of the womb with a different chromosome. <laughs> they, yeah, they know how to invest. Us. And as Amanda has her own story, which is fantastic. Um, and it's, it's an extraordinary story of kind of evolution of thinking and money and, and money kind of control over her, her, her money life and her money thoughts. Um, but it's learnable, you know? So it doesn't matter if you started out with my foundation or Amanda's foundation or a different foundation or no foundation. And I've had many clients who've had you know, no foundation in how to think about money. Um, the thing is it's learnable. And so that's the, the point really is one, you have to understand what it is. And two, as long as you understand it and you understand kind of the data points around your money, which we'll get to in the next few podcasts, you can change things and you can change them pretty quickly. I think if you only understand one thing or the other, that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. And so, I mean, when a client comes in, this is part of the work, right? It isn't just about these are my numbers and I want it to be better. You, you initially start your sessions with people trying to bring out this money narrative to reflect on this, what is their thinking? Because obviously it's kind of standing in their way sometimes potentially of, of living a full um, financial wellness. I mean, there is, I mean, you always talk about this um, natural progression of um, yeah. <laughs> financial wellness, right? <laughs> Sorry, it's from my recycle bin. <laughs> yes, you have to be financially stable to be financially secure to ultimately, and I put quotes around wealth because wealth means different things to different people and yeah. um, whatever wealth will mean to you. And we can talk about that in a future podcast. But you know, when you hear about people that, and, and I have clients who've inherited millions of dollars or they've you know, gotten millions of dollars in a divorce settlement or something like this, and they don't feel wealthy because they haven't had to take over this process. So this process of understanding, okay, how do I live with my money? What do I want to spend on? How do I live within my means, which is really the stability part, and then the investment and how these two interact with one another. How do I live off my money? Um, what are the things I can invest in that suit my, you know, personality or profile? And we're going to keep coming back to this because this is when you hear lottery winners and they get wealthy, why they always lose their wealth. Because Within about 10 to 12 years, right? The average yeah. is 10 to 12 years, 100 million, 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Basketball players, 50 million, celebrities, and bankrupt. It's insane. So they haven't it's had necessary. this. Yeah, they haven't had this connection in their mind through 
saving, investing, that this whole thing is kind of a process. And what forms out of this are habits. This narrative drives habits. So if your narrative is, oh, I won $2 million in the lottery, or I'm making $2 million because I'm a, now a football player and I've got a contract and I'm wealthy and I can spend it all like and buy 10 Lamborghinis or whatever, you're gonna be out of that money if something ends with your contract, right? You're gonna go through it very, very quickly. So this, if you haven't been brought up with this kind of process, then you kind of have to develop it over time. Yeah. So that's kind of really what, how money narrative works or it, it doesn't work when it's not working. And there's the productive and the not productive. I mean, we talked about, right. you know, the podcast asking people to do a set of homework after everything to look into it. So the homework you're really asking people to do is to start to, to map out, to start to write out these money, money right. narratives that they have. So I'm going to give you some productive things. And I think there's, there's actually some of these things are universal, I think, um, in terms of the, the good, the good, the productive money narratives. Um, live within your means, right? You know, spend less than you make. Uh, pay off your credit card because the interest rate's so high on credit. So these are things that go anywhere in the world and people will, you'll hear this in many different languages, the same kind of thing. A lot of the ones that are not productive either are things that have been said to people, you know, and I, I do get clients who, you know, in seventh grade or third grade, they, they didn't think they could do math or they, they were bad at, you know, algebra or something. <laughs> And they just think that they can't do money. You know, my mother didn't graduate from high school and she became a brilliant money manager because she wanted to, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not often about formal education. Um, I know people who have MBAs from Harvard that don't really invest money well, right? Because it's really not something that they've put in a process, you know, or much, a lot of thinking into. So um, a lot of the negative money narratives towards women are also just behavior, that we're not entitled to be in this conversation, that we're not entitled to be at the table for this conversation. Um, and we hear, this, we hear this in a lot of different ways, and it's not always verbal. Sometimes it's how people behave towards us. In certain societies, um, women go off to work, adult women, and the family withholds the money, right? Because that's what's done. And a lot of this is control. And a lot of this is about controlling women's behavior, right? Um, a lot of bankers don't want a husband's bringing their wives in because the women will ask all the questions, right? This is not, this is behavior that's going on in the 21st century, right? So this is something that many of us have experienced, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. So I think what I'm asking for homework to do is to write down, first start with the positives, all the positive things that are working in your life with money. Who did you learn that from? How did you learn it, right? Um, and then start working on the things that you're anxious about. You know, this, these are the stories I've heard over my lifetime about money, the things I shouldn't invest in, the things I shouldn't do, the things I should do. And I'm confused. I don't actually know. Right. Yeah. I mean, even um, to a point of like, I was kind of told that all rich people are bad guys, you know, or, you know, who, who, you know, I'd rather be a poor, good person than a rich, nasty person. So by default, yes. if you're rich, you're nasty. Like even that needs to go down on your piece of paper right. if you have thinking like that. There's a lot of that. So it's also, yeah, what did my society teach me? Like in my society, this is how people think about things. And this is in my, in my neighborhood. This is, I grew up and this is the kind of conversations I heard about money. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of people are dealing with, with their own trauma. I think most parents want to do well by their kids, including with money, and they just sometimes don't know how, you know, and you have to sometimes see your parents and your upbringing as, you know, they're, they're just human and they did the best they can. Even though I have kind of a, a kind of a bank of knowledge around all this stuff, even I tell my kids, you know, this is what I know, you know, but it's not everything. 
And yeah. you have to go out and build, you know, on what I know. And yeah, keep most, learning. You have yeah. to be a constant student of everything, right? And be open to okay. learning it. So I think the homework is, you know, for some people, this will be very easy. They'll, this, they'll hear this podcast and they'll be like, I totally know what my narrative is. Other people, it'll be harder, right? And some people have gone through some very, very hard things in life. And, and it's a little bit traumatic. Um, and it'll take a while to get out. But I think if people are hitting stumbling blocks, either with how they're using money, with how they're investing money, with how they're you know, uh, uh, trying to negotiate raises, um, if they feel bad about money, all these things I would start writing down and start to get to the root of why. If yeah. you're having a hard time having convert, a lot of people just can't talk about money. I mean, this is part of the reason we're talking about money. Yeah, it's yeah. And if, and if they're it. ignoring it, you know, I'm ignoring it. Why? Start to search inside yourself why you don't even want to have the conversation about it. You know, there's worry mm -hmm. there, but you don't know why. Like, ask that question. And, I and then I guess I'm asking if someone is in a, a relationship at this point, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're hoping that whoever follows our podcast will go on this journey with you and I together, you know, to kind of discover certain things about themselves and, you know, to try and talk to people about things they just need to know. Um, but as they kind of think about their own money narrative, you know, people and women especially are great at going, I don't know about me, but I know my husband's. And, you know, auntie affected him when she got divorced, you know, like, so everyone then starts going, oh, I can see it in other people, you know, that I love, but I, you know, they don't really want to look at it in themselves. And I, I mean, is it important to then like focus people to go like one thing at a time? <laughs> yeah. So you are exactly right. That's exactly what people need to do before you go off and start analyzing other people's money narratives and their experience, really understand your, your own, right? Because once you understand your own, you can kind of control how you communicate around money better and you can have more productive conversations. You know, the number one thing people fight about in marriages is, is money. But I think what you have to understand is you'll have a money narrative and your partner or spouse will have their money narrative. And hopefully there's a lot of more similarity than there are differences, right? Yeah. And sometimes you can feel like there's differences, but actually, uh, it's just how you're thinking about things and you need to explain, you know, your feelings and your thoughts and your kind of your background to someone, but do your, do yourself first, start with you, row your own boat, as we said from the beginning, yeah. row your own boat. And then in another podcast, we'll talk about how do I actually have better conversations with people in my life about money, because that is very important. And it's a great skill to give your children. If they can see you having healthy conversations, they will also have healthy conversations. And I think it's just an, a natural order when you learn things, right? Things do become easier if you've completed every kind of lesson fully and gone into it deeply. And, you know, if you've, if you've addressed yourself, those other things will just follow naturally if you are already speaking and thinking clearly, right? I feel that. And I, and I think sometimes when we address ourselves and we address sometimes things that haven't gone right in our lives in any regard, but definitely with money, we can become a little bit more sympathetic to other people's situations and money narratives. And that's probably one of the best things that can come out of our money narrative is that we're a little bit easier on ourselves mm. and that we are a little bit easier on other people. We understand. In the understanding mm -hmm. of it all. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, so yeah, so homework is uh, to write out a list of these productive and non-productive thoughts that you have around money. I always, um, you know, if I do any kind of thinking about my emotions or how I think about things I always call it like a shit first draft sorry for swearing <laughs> uh, and it's like a free flow 
list of writing you know no edits don't look at your spelling like it doesn't matter punctuation you want to get everything out of your head like as it's coming up for you like just write it or type it out and just let it be a draft no one's going to read it it's not going to get published it's only for you um and so it gets it all out right just to do this stream of consciousness consciousness whenever you're sitting down and a lot will come out I feel when people really sit down to do it I think a lot will come out and again I think it's it's a very sometimes it's a hard exercise but it is an absolutely necessary exercise because what we're going to do next is talk about like all the data points right and the things that we can people can and should be doing better and I think having both of these together the narrative and the data really makes for fast progress if that's what people want yeah exactly yeah so episode three that's coming up next is going to be on um, cash flow and uh, so yeah pulling up your actual data of you know financially where a part of you stands so yeah trying to do this work first for your money narrative you know all towards this money mindset okay great I think if anyone has any questions as well uh, from any of the podcasts, they can email us and uh, we can address any answers, uh, especially if they're the same questions coming up. We can try and address the, those, um, you know, questions that people give us as we go, as we grow, as it were. As we grow, as we go and as we grow. <laughs> okay, great. Thanks so much, Andrea. Okay, and Thank we'll be you. back with episode three soon. Thank you. Ciao.